Hey everyone and welcome back to Breaking Bread. This is the Birmingham based food podcast presented by Liam and Carl. Here's Carl. Hola. And I'm Liam. So this episode, it's quite a long one, so we're not going to ramble on like we did do for our usual intros. We're just going to keep this one a little bit short and sweet. Yeah, we're going to get you straight into the mix. Yeah, so this one's, as you may have guessed by the title, it's all about wine. Um, something I don't really know a fat lot about. When I did drink... It wasn't really wine that I ever drunk. It's something I never really oh, got into. Never seen you touch wine. <laughs> nah, maybe barley wine or something, but not wine wine. Yeah, wine's <laughs> not really. Never was my thing. It was always. I think it's a bit of a mystery, and I think it is to quite a lot of people. So I think this is an eye opener. I drink a lot of wine, and I thought I knew a little bit about wine, not a lot. But then you get into the natural organic wines that these are dealing with, and there's just it's like a whole new ball game. A load more grapes that you need to learn, and really interesting good it's a really good episode if you want to learn more about this sort of organic and natural wines and also about a bar that's going to open up in the coolest part of Birmingham Digbuff you can go in tell them what you like and they actually have a genuine interest in trying to sell you bottles that they'll think you'll enjoy yeah they don't want to just sell like the dearest bottle the most profit they're not into that they're into making sure you actually love the wine that you're given because if, if I got the feeling they really loved all of the wines that they sold they only sold wives, wines yeah, that they, they believe them, in yeah. and I've had loads of wines off them over the lockdown period and stuff so yeah, you can probably hear that ice cream van I don't know if you hear it on this I don't know no, we'll find out won't we? that's why yeah. I tell my daughter I said it's um, the only place in music when they've run out of yeah, ice cream say, <laughs> yeah so Taylor and Sam I think I think they do a great job you know that their company's called Wine Freedom they're on a kind of mission just to make it wine more approachable and more well, just to bring better wine to more people I think yeah if if they'd set up a cult like this like, I'd be involved I'd be like yeah I'm all in their branding's brilliant I loved all the wine wankers stuff and that I still think they should have called the bar wine wankers yeah <laughs> <laughs> but no it's a great episode it's around the corner from Dig Brew if, you, if you're looking for it yeah it's prime prime position from Dig Buff this will be open by the time we release this should be about about then so yeah i'm popping in a couple of days because they're open to pick up the collection so oh, i'm cool, pick my wine cool. up so you've been getting deliveries off them non-stop i have yeah and i'm tent again what you were saying just about they don't try and sell you the most expensive they try and sell you the one that suits you the best some of the ones i've had are some of the cheapest ones they sell and they've advised it and i'm like i'll buy stupidly expensive wine <laughs> but just good price ranges something for everyone and it really comes across in this podcast i think how like much they care about people just drinking good wine rather than expensive or fancy or a brand name just ones they actually like and yeah, they've got a good little space there it's they've got enough room to do events they're on about doing a few events there and They've got an off-license part, off-sales, obviously, and a little bar as well that sells not just wine, there's other bits and pieces. You'll hear about it in this show anyway. Yeah, enjoy. Yeah, so I hope you love it. So this is Tyler and Sam from Wine Freedom. Yeah, but it's funny, like, I mean, you get, we, we've had, like, quite, you know, quite a few people ask us, oh, can we get the Action Bronson wine? And then 
you can't. Yeah, maybe we kind of should stock it really because it's it's so popular. Yeah. Um, Is he's, 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 he's quite a you know he's quite a popular guy in in the natural wine movement. Um, mm. You know he's got such a massive following. Can I have that action Bronson wine? Yeah. Yeah, sister, yeah, sister Cara's nice. Bit of, bit of price, but it's nice. That's the one. Yeah, that's the one that he was championing for a while, wasn't it? But he's got his actual own own wine. Oh, does he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's made by. Um, Eric uh, Bouju, Eric Bouju from Loire. Mm. So it's got his name on it. Um, I can't remember what he's called it, but um, it's like an sort of third, fourth, vin fourth vintage. And you can see it's just got more and more expensive, right? Who, who, imports, <laughs> that, who imports that in the UK? Um, Rayburn. Do they? Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. I think it's yeah. I think it's Rayburn. Yeah. Yeah. So we're um we we're we're like a sort of lowly wholesaler. So we kind of we're the middleman. Really. I was going to say, how we, so we where do you import. get your wines from? All over the shop, really. Um, we use various different um, importers over the last few years or so. And we've sort of whittled it down to a slightly kind of shorter, more concise um, selection as we've kind of sort of grown into what we what we do. Um, and it takes a little bit of time for you to sort of find your feet and develop relationships with you know with your suppliers. And over over a bit of time, you get to sort of learn. They learn a bit more about you, what you like and what you stand for and what your philosophy is. And it becomes quite a nice sort of friendship. Mm. Um, so, yeah. yeah it's de it definitely becomes a dialogue. It's not, it's... Yeah, yeah, for sure. Know. So you go out and see a lot of them. You do a lot of travel. Yeah, yes. we do. Certainly for the first, like, you know, two, three years or so, we did a lot of, a lot of tasting. Um, and even before I set up Wine Freedom, there was a good sort of six to 12 months or so beforehand I was kind of planning. And I remember... Um, <laughs> there's, a, there's a guy called Joe Fatterini who's he's quite popular now within the wine industry. Um, he's a, he's more of a presenter now. He does the wine the wine show, which is on ITV, um, and I think it sort of gets sold out to various other channels as well. Um, and he's developing quite a you know quite a big name for for himself. Um, and he used to be my manager at a company called Babenden, which is quite a big um, a big importer and distributor. So most people in the wine in the restaurant industry kind of know who Babenden, Babenden is so I used to work for them but for a good sort of six or twelve months or so before I left I was <laughs> I had this idea of setting up my own company as you do like the transitionary period um so he was I would kind of <laughs> I said to him once and do you mind if I go to this natural wine fair and I think he's just a bit like why would you go and do that like what relevance has that got to do with like what you're doing I was kind of no, I quite like to go. He's like, no, you're not allowed to go. And he phoned me up like the week after. Um, whether we figured out what date and time and stuff it was going on, but he phoned, phoned me up. I was like, hi, Joe. He's like, where are you? He's like, I was at, I'm at the actual wine fair. <laughs> He's like, I told you, you're not allowed to go to that. Um, so, you know, it's, um, I kind of digress, I think, a little bit. But um, where did you start with that question? Sorry. It's a good question. <laughs> it's a good question. Where I started. No, I think it's well, how do you about, source about wine? Where stuff. do you get them? Yeah, from? yeah. So it, I kind of I think from the, the first natural wine fair, kind of got a bit of an idea of you know who the importers were, and it was a bit of an odd, it was a bit of an odd um, event really. It was outside. It was it was called the natural wine fair, which is not what it's called now. Um, and it was at Borough Market, so you had like all of these different like smells coming in from all the street food traders, which was amazing, but. It's not the greatest thing to have when you're wine tasting. So you, you know, you try and like a uh, like a French Loire Chenin Blanc, and it kind of tastes like 
smells like teriyaki chicken. <laughs> it's not, you know, it's not kind of really what you want. That's a, that's a complicated place to make. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's a funny one, really. We'll probably come on to this in a little bit. But a lot of the wines there were a little bit controversial. Um, and, you know, we might end up talking about natural wine and what it is and some of its foibles and kind of pitfalls. But um, there were some amazing wines there, but there were some wines there that just wasn't, weren't particularly good. Mm. Um, and it was a bit of a learning, initial sort of learning experience, I think, for the, you know, for the natural wine industry in the UK, where to, where to sort of go with natural wine and, you know, where to, where to take it for the, for the future. Um, so from there, I got a bit of an idea and, you know, I, I was working for a company called Avery's, which is one of the longest, uh, you know, oldest wine merchants in the UK, been around for the best part of 300 years or so. We had a tasting room, literally sort of like 10, 20 yards away. So we're always in there tasting, loads of bottles open every day. So it was a great kind of learning ground. And it was more often than not, some of the wines that were coming through that were what you call biodynamic and more sort of low intervention, organic, that really piqued my interest just purely from tasting. They had more depth, they had more breadth, um, they had more you know, of an interesting kind of taste profile to them. And they just seemed to have a bit more of an energy kind of to them than some of the other stuff that I was tasting on a regular basis. Um, and there were a couple of producers from the south of France, from the Rision, that I kind of thought, wow, that's like kind of incredible. And uh, there was one producer called Le Soula who I got the opportunity to go and visit a few years ago. Um, it was one of their white wines. It's one of those ones that kind of you could see on the stock list. It kind of sat there and didn't do anything at all. You know, they had about sort of three or four cases and it was a few years old. Nobody was selling it because nobody knew what the fuck it was. Um, and I did a bit of research, sort of figured out like what it was. And we, we did like a, a dinner, as we, we sort of like, did like a dinner for all the staff once every kind of six months or so. And you had to choose something that was a bit odd and a bit kind of weird off the wine list that nobody had ever tried. So I picked, I picked this white, white bottle of Lasula out, not really quite expecting what it was going to be, what it was going to be like. And it sat in the lineup of like some amazing wines, like nice old Chateauneuf de Paps and Bordeaux and Burgundies. And it kind of, I think everybody out of the whole group, all the salespeople kind of gravitated towards it and thought it was incredible because it was a little bit left field, nobody really quite knew what it was. But also it just had this character and detail that a lot of the other wines just didn't really have. So that really kind of piques my interest. And then, you know, you start sort of scratching the surface and then, you know, you find out there's this world of, um, different, a different sort of farming, a different kind of winemaking um, that really kind of resonated with you know with me. And then you, 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 you know, I'm an inquisitive person, so you you know you find out where these wines are from. And I think the whole you know social media thing's really really helped over the last ten years or so. You know, a lot of these winemakers are creative, so the labels tend to be individual and different. So Instagram in particular is a great platform for a lot of these winemakers because it gets their brand and their labels out there. And then you can just find out from doing a little bit of kind of digging, you know, who, who's, who's bringing them into the country. And it kind of just kind of starts from there. Are they, are they all from a particular region or something? Or Not at all. No, from all over the world, really. Um, but there are particular regions that uh, have got more of a culture of producing wines more naturally. If you go down to the Rision in the south of France and to the Loire, um, and some, you know, kind of places around the Arbois and Jurassic and, and Burgundy, you, you kind of tend to find more sort of back to basics um, winemakers and 
you know, there are certain importers that are giving these winemakers more of a platform in the UK as well. Um, we work really, really closely with an importer called Le Cave de Perenne. Um I was kind of aware of their wines quite a long time ago, and I knew that their portfolio and their list was different to some of the others, and some of the winemaker stories were more interesting and more kind of engaging, and I tend to sort of like a lot of their wines. Um, and, you know, they've been instrumental as, a, as an importer um, for the last, you know, started up, you know, sort of in the, in the late 80s, kind of early 90s, so they've been going for quite a while now. Um, banging the drum about natural, going back to basics with, you know, viticulture and farming. Um, and it's really kind of had this boom and kind of resurgence, really. Um, so, yeah, we've got a good handful now that we're really, really happy with and quite proud of. Um, just briefly, there might be a few listeners who just don't know the difference between natural wine and, like, say, normal wine. Yeah. yeah. Like, what's the difference in the farming, like? Or well, it doesn't have to be, like, just briefly, it doesn't. I know, it, yeah, I realise it's a so big, so big uh, question, but just maybe kind of simple. What we're trying to do, we're trying to sort of simplify it so it's easy for. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, in the main, you can kind of really divide it into two. So the, the farming techniques and the winemaking techniques. So a lot of um, organic wines that you might see, that you might see in the supermarket, you know, they might be farmed, you know, organically, but actually, once the grapes get to the get to the winery, they're they're manipulated, they're fucked with, they'll be tweaked up, they'll tweak down, they'll use yeasts from, you know, that are, that are effectively come from a factory somewhere that kind of gives you a standard, standardised mm. flavour across the board, for, for example. Yeah, that's one example. But natural wines, they use the organic farming. In a lot of instances, they use biodynamic farming, which is um, sort of organic plus. Um, we'll probably talk about that a bit later. Yeah, that's a whole other kind of worms. <laughs> but once it gets into the winery... The grapes are kind of left to do their own thing, so they'll, they'll be fermented with their own with the yeast that are indigenous to the grapes in the winery in the region. Um, they'll, you know, they won't have excessive use of oak, for example. It's just kind of letting letting the grapes do their own thing rather than trying to push them in a certain direction to give you, you know, homogeneity from vintage to vintage and from, you know, for for purposes of sales. Mm. Um, I suppose that's. That's kind of how I always think about it, anyway. Yeah, completely. And it, it's w what we're trying to do is is we, we, we know that consumers these days are more interested and uh, to a certain degree more concerned about you know what what it is that they're putting into their body. You know, a lot of chefs are concerned about you know the farm to fork philosophy and understanding you know who's making the beef and the asparagus and all the rest of it. And it's an integral part of a lot of you know restaurateurs and chefs stories really um but the wine thing kind of gets overlooked so i do think from a from an entree from a restaurant kind of point of view this is where you know the natural wine side of things the natural wine story has really kind of started to you know pick up some momentum through just really good wine bars that you know are, are really kind of bothered about what they do and really good chefs that are kind of championing the you know this side of the industry um and also you've got this move of you know consumers wanting to generally getting a bit more healthy and there's a big shift now uh with um with yeah with, with consumers you know being more kind of health conscious you know they're i'm going to call them youngsters i guess sort of 20 20 year olds <laughs> kind of coming through now that drink a lot less you know if they're going to consume uh you know uh, they might have a couple of pints of decent quality beer like craft beer quite happy to spend like you know six seven eight pounds on a pint or two thirds of a pint 
rather than get absolutely smashed and you know drink seven or eight pints of you know shitty carling or fosters or whatever and mm. it's the same kind of like parallel analogy really that's starting to happen with with wine starting to see some real interest in you know in, in where the grapes are produced who's made them what the story is and it's very difficult to get that when you've got something which is made in millions and millions of bottles at a time you know a lot of the the big scale winemakers now they used to be small if you go back you know 150 50 100 150 years ago they started from kind of small small beginnings and they had these you know really interesting kind of family stories and they were making products and wines that really kind of taste of where they come from and it's success and it's wanting more and it's scaling up and there's nothing wrong with that in any kind of shape or form um, but it's a very you end up with a very 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 different product that's engineered that's um, you know made to a recipe um, you know Tony kind of said you you know you can add lots of things to wine um, and still kind of call it wine yeah. um, but you know we sort of nickname it you know it's kind of like a little bit like coca-cola juice you can you know you get a mass-produced wine from South America that sits on the shelf for, in a supermarket for kind of six quid. A lot of the stuff that's gone into it ain't just grape juice, it's loads of other stuff. Um, mm. And it, it's not necessarily a bad thing, but what we're trying to do is to try and sort of lift the lid and provide a bit of education and provide the choice for consumers. You know, this is the real stuff. This is, you know, blood, sweat and tears into it. Um, this tastes different every year. This really gives you a true sense of where it's come from you know and there's this sort of degree of auth authenticity i think that a lot of consumers are looking for you know a, a bottle of wine should allow you to do a bit of traveling you know you want to taste like a sangiovese from tuscany you want it to be real rather than something that's manufactured mm. um so consumers generally you know about sort of nine 99 percent of the time they don't realize what goes into a bottle um so there's this big kind of educational part of what we do is is you know sort of getting you in <laughs> you know sort of giving you um a bit of an education really around what you like and what you don't like because that's really really important but also you know informing you to to make kind of better you know wine making decisions for the for the future um and it's you know there's a there's a wealth of wine out there um and you know we like to sort of muck around with the proper stuff really mm. uh, so Again, might have digressed a little bit, but that's you know, it's kind that's of to us what natural yeah, wine is. Good answers. Yeah. And there's, there's there's no there's no proper definition to natural wine. There isn't. It's such a kind of like an obtuse word. Um, you know, there's no accreditation yet. Well, there, there is. Well, there, there is there is sort of one in the Loire that's just been. Um, there's a group of winemakers that. Um, I can't remember what they called it. No, I thought I thought it was French. I thought it was French wine rather than just Loire. Um, I think it's just for Loire, I think, at the moment. I might be wrong, um, but it's, I think it's Van de Naturel or something like that. Something, and that's only recently just, just come through. Um, and that's essentially you know, organically farmed grapes, wines that haven't been manipulated or had anything added to them with a small dosage of what's called sulfur dioxide, again, which is a sort of slightly kind of divisive. But even in that, they've got two applications. So they've got the Van de Naturel system. And they've got the, the one. And they've got yeah. wood sulfur, but it's sorry, it, it gets it gets a bit weird, but it's <laughs> it, it's, it's very complicated. But it, but in essence, you know, we kind of use the the term natural. We kind of, it's, it's like will we do wines which are more natural, 
more natural than your average. Than what you get in the what you, Yeah, yeah, like because that. natural is a bit more of a kind of catch, catch-all kind of word. Most consumers, wine drinkers understand the word natural than they do organic. Organic can be quite difficult and complicated, and it means lots of different things to different people. But generally, most people kind of latch onto the word natural because it, you know, it sort of means unadulterated. You know, it hasn't been manipulated or mucked around with. So we use that natural word, the, the word natural, a bit more loosely than maybe some other people in the industry because we see it as probably more of a useful word to use than biodynamic. Most people don't know what that means or unorganic. So. Mm. Do you find that a lot of people sort of look at natural wines and just think you either like natural wines or you like your standard wines and there's sort of no switching between the two? You're either in one camp or the other camp. There's a little bit of that. Would you, would you find well, that? Well, I think, I think kind of philosophically um, people will kind of gravitate to... Yeah, I think philosophically people gravitate to one or the other kind of as a representation of who they are. But for wine drinkers... Um, you know, especially for kind of I don't want, I don't like to use the word serious wine drinkers, but you know people who kind of if you ask them what's your favourite drink, they'd say wine rather than beer. But for me, that's that's a serious wine drinker. Um, but you know, I think someone who you know someone who drank a lot of wine and enjoyed it, you would notice a difference. Um, so and so, some people from a, from a taste perspective will gravitate towards that. They, they tend to be slightly brighter, slightly more exuberant, slightly bit just with more energy. Um, and you know, some people drink both some people yeah. don't drink natural and don't know about natural and some people will only will swear only by natural um i mean my mum at the tender age of 63 now would only drink natural wine but um <laughs> i was just about to say is there a demographic to it because it seemed to yeah, be si- yeah, six, six, 63 odd women from Be- from bearwood <laughs> that's the that's the, that, that's, the, that's the demographic that's the target market. yeah, yeah. <laughs> no i think it's um i think for lots of reasons it seems to um I want to appeal more to younger people, but younger people seem to be, to be slightly more drawn to it. Um, whether that's because they're they're used to coming through the sort of the craft beer scene, say scene, drinking craft beers, um, and they're kind of a, li- a little bit more, you know, they've they've kind of grown up with, you know, trying to understand more what goes into yeah. their, you know. I, mean I think they're a little more house health yeah, conscious yeah, as well. Yeah. Like as um, Sam said before, they are drinking a, a lot less. A lot of stats yeah. show that they're drinking less, and yeah, the, yeah. The, what they're putting in their body, they yeah. care about a lot more. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, I, I went vegan. I was not vegan anymore. I'm only veggie, but I went. I went vegan like how long, like twenty about twenty years ago. Yeah. And when I went vegan like twenty years ago, it was like weird. It was really, it was really weird. Loads of choice at restaurants. Absolutely, really absolutely, nice. yeah, 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 absolutely, <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely, <laughs> ab- absolutely. You know, it was, like, yeah, it was like, it was like the old stories, like you know, saying you're vegetarian in France, they'll give you chicken. It's like, well, it's, anyway, um, it's like goat, you know, goat, goat cheese is vegan. Anyway, um, but yeah, twenty years ago that was, a, you know, yeah. that was a bit, that was a bit weird. Whereas now it's a bit weird. You know, you have people that, like will do like meat free, but like. You know, ardent meat eaters will go like a vegan, like a vegan Monday or a meat-free Monday. So, um, I think the natural, you know, the the natural um, wine kind of plugs into that yeah. quite As a lot. Somebody from the outside who doesn't know a lot, well, knows nothing about wine. As I don't, I don't drink or anything, but no, I don't drink at all. So, what? <laughs> <laughs> Like look, even looking at the ones Carl's posted and he showed me the bottles, like the labels all look like they're targeted for younger people. Like yeah, the marketing yeah. definitely seems yeah. more geared yeah. towards younger people. I think that yeah, I think that it kind of is a little bit, you know, the visual representation. I kind of mentioned Instagram before, 
but going back to this sort of you know is there a divide and is there a difference between a natural wine drink and something that's not um i've sort of got a it's a bit of a theory i think really and it's just purely based on observation like over the years um generally you can go into a into a wine tasting you know i've, I've hosted quite a few and it's great when you get a good mixture of different ages and it's mainly different ages actually um and you can kind of tell just by saying hello to everybody at the start of the evening which wines they're going to like mm-hmm. and which wines they're not going to like oddly um and which is terrible to kind of sort of pigeonhole people but it's you, you know you sort of you generally get a judge of somebody's character within the space of sometimes like a few seconds of meeting yeah. them um and i think sometimes it kind of comes down to whether you're like an open-minded or you're a closed-minded person um and i know psychology you know isn't quite as black and white as that but um um i think generally when you know when you've been drinking wine for a few decades you get to know what you like and what you don't like um and most consumers wine drinkers over the last you know since the sort of 60s i guess really since wine's become more accessible cheaper um we've got used to drinking mass-produced wine in the uk um so that's what most you know if you're uh of a well-seasoned wine drinking age that's what you've got used to so that's what you associate wine as being and you shove this kind of weird natural wine under somebody's nose and they're like "Mm, fuck off that's not wine um because you've got all these very different characteristics and flavors coming out um so it's kind of like you know it is it's quite a divisive thing um and not to say like you know nat- all natural wines have got weird and wonderful flavors you know some actually are sort of perceived as you know quite conventional to a certain degree um but it's one of the reasons w- why i kind of got latched onto natural wines because it does have a much in in the round in general has much more of a wider spectrum of flavor and i kind of sort of liken them the difference between sort of analog and digital it's kind of like a, a bit like having like a piece of vinyl where you can hear a sort of the detail and the crackles and stuff um whereas you know mass-produced conventional wine is kind of compressed to a certain degree you lose a lot of the you know broader spectrum of character um and because you have all these uh, extra kind of filters and fining agents and stabilizers put in it you lose you, know, you lose quite a lot which is i think so sometimes a bit of a shame but um with a lot of mass-produced wine you know the winemakers are using substandard or you know below you know, pretty shitty fruit so they need to employ a lot of these very kind of technical scientific processes to make that grape juice more palatable for for people it's to consume <laughs> so it's taking like to a degree a bit of a shit product and and jazzing it up and making it more interesting <laughs> so you know it to, to suit a particular kind of market um and yeah that's not what we're interested with you find there's more sort of the traditional winemakers that exist now especially the ones that sell to supermarkets, do you find they're sort of changing their marketing and changing their bottles to sort of reflect how the natural wine market is sort of going? Sort of jumping on the bandwagon, to, yeah, so to speak. Sort of, yeah. well, well, I mean, was it last year or year before Aldi decided to... Yes, they, they had a cheeky little orange, cheeky little orange wine. Um, and M&S, M&S have got, yeah, a, I think, an orange, I've got a Georgian th- orange wine. But they, yeah, I mean, they've... But, and they've, they've had that... For, I've actually used that in tastings before. Yeah. yeah. Um, it was alright. It was, it was, it was alright. It was a little bit, bit muted, but it was alright. Yes. Um, so what was the question? Oh, supermarkets. Um, yeah. Do you just find yeah. even the winemakers themselves, the more traditional ones, are they changing how their bottles look? Are they sort of almost trying to pass it off as natural wines yeah. as such? 
Yeah, I mean, yeah. You'll, you'll probably have a better idea than this guy. So I think natural wine yeah. sort of um, it's give it's it's cool basically. Yeah. Well, I think it? I think it's a cool form yeah. of drinking wine compared to. But I'll be honest with you. I, I'm I think I'm uh, being honest here. I think I'm now pretty blinkered. Um, I, I don't really saturated. Yeah, well, <laughs> like you know, I can't I can't I can't remember the last time I walked down a supermarket wine aisle. I can't remember the last time I even you know looked on a. It's different to me, like. Lisa loses me in the supermarket. She's like, oh, he'll be in the wine aisle. <laughs> and that's, that's generally, because I'm, I'm seeing what's going on, you know, just out of interest, really. Yes, yes, Sam's doing research. I'm just, fuck it, I can't be asked. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Got, got better things to do. Got to look at the chocolate hobnobs. Um, and the plants. Yeah, the, what, sorry. the plants. Yeah, yeah, the plants, yeah. The plants, yeah. So, yeah, have, have they got three for ten this week? Yeah, got, got to go for them. Actually, every time I go past, like, Aldi or Little now, we'll have to slow down and see if they've got any, a job lot of plants in, but that's, <laughs> that's a different story. Um, I don't, I, I, it, it's not, I don't know. It's, um, some, yeah, some might have a thought on that, but I... It's a hard question to answer, I think. I, I, um, there, there is a certain degree of that, um, but, you know, the... the Natural wine accounts for a very, very small, but you know, less than 0.5% of the market. Um, it's growing rapidly. Um, and even lockdown, I, you know, had a quick sort of email exchange with um, Doug, who represents Le Cave de Perenne, who's sort of one of the main sort of um, head guys at, uh, yeah, at Le Cave de Perenne. And he, he was saying even during lockdown, there's been a massive spike in, in, in their sales and in natural wine sales just in general. Um, I think, I think. In problem, yeah. <laughs> I've got to admit, I've drank more than now. Yeah, I, I think I think it's it's probably kind of gone with that trend a little bit, really. But um, um, I think you know, gradually, it, it's it, it's a little bit more of a cultural thing. I think um, it's not necessarily a matter of kind of. I think there's a certain element of kind of being cool and being young and being you know uh, maybe a bit more of a hipster kind of. I don't like using this sort of phrase, hipster, but no. you know, it's a general kind of like term. You know sort of young young creatives I guess to a certain degree and and actually you know they that sort of demographic they're the ones that are generally a little bit more open-minded yeah um and you can't really kind of get away from that you know sort of going back to what I was saying before about being open or kind of closed-minded and also kind of being in the infancy of your you know your exploration with with drinking with booze and with food um during your 20s is the most sort of formative years um and you know if you kind of latch on to natural wine earlier on then you know you're kind of sort of geared up to you know the flavors and the taste and the you know the profile and stuff that it kind of brings but what i also kind of noticed we do training stuff with um wine training with staff members you know with restaurants and, and chefs and stuff and um y it's interestingly interesting you, you tend to find a lot of the a lot of the members of staff from european countries that have grown up with wine with wine production they understand the smell and the raw and the base ingredient they you know they know what fermented grape juice smells and tastes like they understand that it has sugar and acidity and it has all these other kind of different things associated with it so when you take a sip you know it's it's not too alien um and you know the amount of people i've met from romania bulgaria um georgia france you know italy spain um and they just seem to be a little bit more understanding of, of the product because they've a lot of them have sort of grown up with it. Um, and a lot of them have, you know, have, have been drinking proper, you know, good quality, homemade wine, 
you know that's made by the family or the local kind of cooperative that hasn't been again sort of buggered around with um so you know i find that kind of interesting as well the difference with um what's kind of acceptable between <laughs> uh, you know um growing up with the uk palette is very different to like how you know somebody would grow up in france for instance um it's, it's a very you know kind of painting it with a very sort of black and white kind of brush but i do notice that quite a lot um mm. Uh, it's, you know, it's an interesting thing. Are there any uh, UK natural wines that are any good? Or yeah, certainly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And we, we, we kind of represent represent th three at the moment. And we will certainly um, want to, um, you know, champion more and more and more as they, as, you know, as this side of the industry kind of grows in the UK. So Davenport, based down in Sussex, they're not necessarily natural, but um, Will Davenport's been a massive advocate and a, and, a, and a great teacher of organic viticulture for a lot of winemakers for, for a few decades now. Um, and then we're, we're real big fans of Anchor Hill, who are based over in Monmouth in, in Wales. They produce all the wines naturally and biodynamically. Amazing spot. Um, it's like in a little kind of bowl, really. You kind of think Wales is going to be pissing it down and really cold and wet. But Monmouth has like a third of the amount of rain that Cardiff does instance so it's it's more kind of akin to hereford really isn't yeah, it really they, than they, they it's only just over the border they just put a massive umbrella over the whole of the development cost a lot of money yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, it's, it's like, like a two billion pound yeah, canopy yeah um and then there's ben wargate over at tillingham as well who i think is really kind of you know ticking all the boxes with natural wine the branding's amazing you know he comes from a marketing background He's a great um, speaker and talk. He really kind of tells the story. Um, they've got an amazing estate there. It's you know it's beautiful, picturesque. Yeah, I've looked at going there. You can stuff there and everything. Yeah, like. yeah. They've, love he's, their wines. He's, they're one of the ones I like the most. They are. Yeah, they've kind of done it the right way round. Really, they've got all the rooms and stuff kind of in place, and um, it's going to be a proper sort of. It's going to be a great kind of tourism mecca, I think. You know, for the years to come. We took quite. We took a load of our customers. I say customers like the basic mates that we sell wine to down there. <laughs> like that, that, that's kind of <laughs> the, the way it is now. Um, but we we took a load of them down last summer. It was last summer, wasn't it? Um, yeah. Poor Sam had to, had to drive and then got a flat tire. <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah. <laughs> I, I remember. I just got Hastings trying to fix a flipping flat tire. And for the bit, absolutely battered. And just had to go and pick him up and drive him home. I felt, I felt, I felt really, I felt really bad for the first half an hour. Thinking, no, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to drink. I'm going, I'm going to drive back. And then I was like, oh fuck, it, I'm just going to get absolutely battered. But um, but yeah, so um, yeah, so Ben's just um, yeah, sorry to answer the question. Yes, yeah, so you should go there. And we, when we went there, they were just about finishing the restaurant and the rooms, and it looks, it looks stunning. And he's got this old oast house that's used for, is it for drying hops. Is that what an oast house is for, or for? Anyway, it's, it's used in the beer making for beer making, whether it's to dry, dry hops or or, yeah. or mild, I, I don't know. But he's um, basically I was quite really inspired and bought these Georgian Creverie, which are basically like big clay pots. So now we've, he uh, he's buried them underground and he makes he makes wine in them, and they're these big old things, and he just makes really interesting wines. He's planted a load of interesting varieties that you don't really see in the UK. Um, so um, has he planted Trousseau? For, has he, did he plant Trousseau? Or it's about the sort of third year release now and they're all slightly different so the blend's slightly different every time he makes them and he's always making new ones as well so 
it's um, it's a bit of a challenge keeping up with like what goes into <laughs> what what it. I mean, you know, they all taste great. Um, so you know, he's definitely kind of one to watch for, for the future. Um, but, um, but he's so for the first couple of years of the project, he was basically buying buying in grapes because he didn't his his vineyards weren't yet online. On online. Weird thing to say, isn't it? Yeah, it's not like a, it, it's not a vineyard of nautical ones, but it, yeah, yeah, yeah. B- BTO from each didn't get there in time, but um, but no, he um, so he he's been planting all these all these vine- all these vineyards and you know and is now using biodynamic preparations, so like you know making like teas out of nettle and ho- and horsetail and stuff. Um, but for the first yeah, so for the first few years he was buying in grapes, but now his his you know vineyards are kind of producing grapes that you can make wine with. so I think his next release will probably be the first ones that are his own ones there is a th- the, you know a wines from grapes that he's that he's grown um, so yeah definitely you know if you look if you're looking at a UK producer that's interesting that's definitely you know, that's yeah, definitely definitely nice. somewhere to go yeah, yeah, yeah. which which which, sorry, which which ones did you like of his, of his uh, wines? it's the one with the swirly Fizzy pink. Fizzy pink, yeah. Anything fizzy pink. Music's pretty happy, to be honest. Yeah. Everything is kind of a bit, I think, <laughs> yeah. That's, that's good, good to know, to get rid of all that. <laughs> <laughs> it's really nice weather in lockdown. Everybody's, I mean, we we really kind of, um, we, I mean, lockdown was a bit of a funny one for us, really, because we sort of had to kind of really pivot, which is the sort of, you know, that's the word, isn't it, that most businesses are using. We had to do quite a lot of that because we were selling to the trade and 99% of our business is to the trade, so it basically sort of, went off a cliff um so we basically you know tried to peddle wine to as many people consumers you know, wine drinkers out there as we as we could so direct direct sales and what we found is that a lot of people quite like drinking pink fizz yeah we didn't really quite know that before so it's like <laughs> shit <laughs> let's get some more pink fizz let's get <laughs> well we did but like, we did, but like <laughs> yeah well I d- it, it's a funny one because we, we keep a few like on on the list but it's 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 different. Like you know, retail sales are, are actually different to you know uh, um, restaurant sales. So most restaurants don't sell a huge amount of pink fizz, but consumers during lockdown, a sunny lockdown, love it. So you know we sort of like you know, quadrupled the amount of pink fizz that we've got. I think, I think probably this is only anecdotally, but I think a lot of that as well is due to you know if a restaurant's listing a pink fizz, it's probably going to be like Laurent Perrier Rosé. Yeah, like ab- absolute shit. Probably going to cost eighty quid. Whereas actually, if you can pick up a you know. In, in, I think the tilling was what twenty two, twenty three. Yeah, remember yeah, that. Yeah, sure. and, and so, so suddenly this eighty, this eighty quid, you know, rip off, isn't that? It's a twenty, it's a tw- you know, an interesting yeah. twenty two pound English sparkling rosé that tastes bloody delicious. And you know, so it, you know, it, it instantly sort of changes the market that you can that you can sell to rather than having to you know, sell a bottle of Laurent Perrier rosé to one person who buys it on New Year's Eve sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Is that what Wine Freedom started off as? Was it just a kind of wholesale to other businesses? Or? Um, it started off as a just an idea to sell to sell natural wine and to concentrate on the, the stuff that really excited me. But also the, the educational side of stuff was something I wanted to connect with this side of the industry too because, um, you know, the they kind of go hand in hand understanding like what natural wine is all about is a big educational curve um, um and also what's always interested to me is you know how consumers kind of interact with wine and sense of taste and everybody's got their own got their own you know palette you know from one person to the next it's something which is um genetically kind of inbuilt into you and also you know depending on what you've tried and eaten consumed over your life 
informs what you like and what you don't like as well. So uh, essentially what I think from the offset is the educational bit and the natural wine bit. I've tried to sort of connect the two. Um, I, the initial idea was like a wine club, but that didn't really work. Um, there's a guy, I'm not going to mention his name, bit of a shyster, fucks off with a few hundred quid of mine. Um, I was going to set up a wine club with. So you kind of learn, you know, hard and fast, you know, not necessarily to to trust everybody, you know, that you kind of come across. Um, so you've got our fingers bent a little bit there. Um, and then actually, you, you know, people that I was selling to when I was working for Vivendon could see what I was doing or trying to do and said, look, you know, we'd like to have a chat and try some of your wine. And, and it kind of went from there. So we've had some really, you know, really supportive, very, very lucky, you know, to have some really good friends in the industry now that have just been supportive all the way through. Um, so yeah, and then it sort of ended up being just flogging wine to you know to restaurants and chefs and. It morphed into a wholesale business. It, it didn't. It did. It pivoted. <laughs> you act. You act. You, you tripped over and called it a pivot. Is that what it was? Yes. <laughs> if you say I'm president, and this podcast is over. <laughs> so, on the wholesale was. Were the clients, I don't know, I call them customers, were they kind of open-minded? Were they excited about you? I think kind of interested, really. Um, and it's, when I was working for Vivendum, um, it, it was a big company, and you know, you're working with lots of different sorts of establishments, but I sort of gravitated towards the, the fine dining places because you talk about wine, you talk about the product, whereas you know, if you're trying to do a sales pitch for a big you know, hotel group, it's less about the quality of the wine. It's about more about how cheap can you get it and how much money can you chuck at the deal. Um, completely. And it's, yeah, it's all about spreadsheets. And it, it's business at the end of the day. But, you know, I just gravitated towards this end of the, this end of the market because it, you know, it's all about proper stuff. You know, you, you end up talking to chefs and restaurateurs that are really bothered about, you know, what they put on the plate and really interested in the story. Um, and 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 they you know the, the two natural wine and quality are so you know they're so connected um you know i think to produce really good quality if you're in the pursuit of quality really it's about doing things properly sensitively and you know sometimes as a prerequisite you're doing things in more of a natural way um you know some of the best wines that you find out there the most expensive wines are made biodynamically and made naturally You've got a wine called um, Domaine Romani Conti, which is released every year, you know, three, four thousand pounds a bottle sometimes, depending on the vintage, and it's biodynamic. And you have, you know, producers like Domaine Le Flave, like produce some of the best white burgundies. Domaine Le Flave. Maybe they should rebrand it. That's a trick there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we need to get some but i mean even like i mean i i try i i tried to make the flavor just their sort of basic chardonnay um and even that because it's made properly and naturally in, in a biodynamic way it's just got so much more interest and flavor to it um and even like some of the the big producers now in bordeaux that have been doing things very conventionally and been making lots of money been doing things in a way that suits particular kinds of critics so they can get big high scores like every year um they've been experimenting with organic and biodynamic and more sensitive natural processes for 
you know, for, for a good sort of 15 to 20 years now. And if you go to, you know, a region like Alsace, for instance, which is, you know, it's, it's got such a, a depth and a wealth historically of quality. You know, you had more Michelin-style restaurants in Alsace. It's a tiny bloody region. More Michelin-style restaurants per square mile in Alsace than anywhere in the world. Um, and you've got more of a hotbed of um, winemakers gravitating towards organic, biodynamic and natural over the last, I mean, the first time I went there was about 10 years ago. And, you know, it'll ask every winemaker, you know, what's the future? What's the future for quality winemaking? And they'd all say organic, at least organic, because you're spraying less shit in your environment. It means that your soil health is getting better. And as a prerequisite, your fruit's getting better, your vines are getting better, um, they're more healthy, which means that you end up with fruit that's just, you know, it's great. But it all comes back down to, soil health the health of you know the earth that you've that you're planting your fruit and your vines and your veg or whatever else in you can't make really good quality produce unless you've got a really good base layer of of soil that's healthy that's got lots of microbiology you know lots of kind of life in it um and what you're kind of finding in these big swathes of land in the states is a really kind of good example and in some of the southern states and they're employing a monoculture so it's just wheat field upon wheat field upon wheat field over time the soil gets tired and it literally turns into sand it has no nutrients left in it at all so they have to pump nutrients and fertilizers back into it in order to produce the same crop which is fucking nuts um so I, th I think also as well, you know, kind of going back to your kind of question about, you know, who kind of finds natural wine interesting and kind of who doesn't. I think it's, it's also kind of people that are a little bit more connected to, um, you know, to the, the global debate about, you know, what, what's right for the environment and what's not. I think it's people who give a shit, actually. Yeah. Probably. Um, which is a, a pretty blunt way of saying it, but I think, I think, part, of, I think part of it is, is that peop people who give a shit. Um, yeah, yeah, <laughs> absolutely right. And it's the simplest way of putting it. You should probably put a sign above the door saying, do you give a shit? If you don't, fuck off. <laughs> Only allowed in if you give a shit. Yeah. Where did yeah. the name Wine Freedom come from? Um, it's more of a feeling, I think, really. Um, it's sort of based more around, well, more around the natural wine thing. You know, a lot of the natural winemakers, you know, they, they feel like they have the freedom to to do things as they want to do them rather than in a formulaic kind of way um, and also um, from an educational point of view you know I like you know providing a space and a platform for um, consumers to learn more about wine um, you know what we stand for uh, we kind of the core of what we do is education but making you know wine inclusive and understandable because there's such a it's all about kind of understanding consumer psychology really you know most a lot of consumers when they go into wine drinkers when they go into a, a, a wine shop there's this degree of you know i don't really quite know enough and i'm feeling a little bit inadequate and i don't really know if i'm going to ask the right questions and what we are trying to do at wine freedom is provide a space where you don't feel inadequate you know you can kind of say what you want um, and it really just purely comes down to what you like and what you don't like. Um, and, you know, what I quite like to do is sort of dip, dipping down into the sort of, you know, the science of why you like things and why you don't like things. Just to sort of establish, really, it's the diversity of, of, of people that are, that are drinking that makes it so interesting. 
And on top, you've got this diversity of different sorts of wine, which make it even more interesting. Um, and I did, <laughs> I did this, uh, this wine tasting years ago. I called it Wine Wankers, and it was, which is sort of taken on a bit of a thing of its own, like with us, we've sort of got Wine Wanker T-shirts now. Um, but it, it would never work. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like you, you never print wine wanker on a t-shirt. Nobody's going to buy them, um, and yeah, we, we, we pretty much sold all of them, which is which is good. But <laughs> but it's it's all about kind of democratizing the 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 subject um, and making people feel comfortable about it because whether you like it or not, you know, wine is consumed in a social environment. It's a social glue. You know, it it helps to kind of inebriate people. And generally, you consume it with friends and family and sometimes work colleagues as well. And you've got to take it at that face value. Um, you know, it, it, it doesn't have to be all that serious. Um, but, you know, we like to sort of layer on some education on top so you can learn a little bit, you know, about the subjects as well at the same time. Um, Something nice about wine. Like, you open a bottle of beer, that's it. You're going to drink that bottle of beer on your own, aren't you? Whereas you open a wine, yeah. you're more unlikely. You've got to share it. You're going to share it, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. You're going to share it, aren't you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know about that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not sure Siobhan gets a look in when Carl gets freedom nah, delivery. Don't get much. How do you boys, how did you sort of meet each other? How did the two of meet? And uh, so I was actually uh, through buying wine from Sam. Um, I was working in a in a place in Harbourn called The Plough, oh, um, yeah, yeah. which, um, God, it's about... Two three, years, two, three, three, two, yeah, three years two, three, 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 two, three years ago, um, kind of was looking at getting um, a more interesting array of wines, and um, one of the one of the managers there was put in touch with Sam um, through through the guys at Carters actually, yeah. so 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 Holly at Carters put put us in with put us in touch with Sam, and uh, <clears throat> and at the time I was um, kind of running wine tastings at the at the plough, but was looking at opening my own place, yeah. um, like a, a, a wine-focused place, but on a much much smaller scale. I went to do like a, you know, a small little neighbourhood neighbourhood wine bar in, in Bearwood or in Smethwick, and we're like, they're probably the worst place to open a, a wine bar. But, um, I disagree. I think it might go. Well. Yeah, well, I, I was, you know, I was, I was pretty much looking, <laughs> pretty much looking at the looking Maybe at the three years ago. Yeah, yeah but, I, but I, was, I was looking at the rent. I was thinking that that, that could work. But yeah, I was I was literally just looking at, you know, almost like a. a, a tiny little blank box wine bar um, and just get a couple, you know, do a bit of cooking then just see, see what happened. Anyway, uh, fortunately, <laughs> I, I think I think I asked Sam one day if he ever wanted help like delivering, like doing deliveries or something. Mm. Um, it, wasn't, it wasn't with the intention of um, kind of working with Sam because I didn't know that he was actually planning something on the side as well. And then after, you know, after, after a month or two, it kind of, yeah, led on from there and then Someone's like, do you, want, do you want to be involved with the thing that the thing that I'm doing? And it was kind of a bit of a no-brainer, really. Yeah. So yeah, so that's yeah, that's how. So the thing that you're doing is that that's this. That's this. That yeah. yeah. So yeah, yeah. yeah sorry. Yeah, say, yeah. Is there something else? Yeah. No. Yeah. So yeah. 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 So, uh, yeah. I've just suddenly realised we haven't got like a camera crew here. They, no, they, they no, no. 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 So, yeah. So <laughs> our yes. listeners, obviously, there's no camera. We're actually <laughs> recording this. Is it just going to be called Wine Freedom? Is that yeah. it's just going to be called? We, we, we teed and froed with what we're going to call it. Um, I think Wine Wankers. <laughs> it was surely. actually. And then you know you look at various businesses that end up having like a name for the shop and a name for that something else, and it confuses people. So we're just like, look, we're known as Wine Freedom, and 
you know it's it still kind of holds a lot of you know value and water for us so it's it's wine freedom and it might end up getting called something else or getting yeah. a nickname at some point we call it floodgate because it's on floodgate street well, and i'll call it 28 because the floodgates open down there so um yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> so oh yeah so i know i kind of call it call it 28 but that's probably probably a bit too yeah so we are on floodgate street yeah, yeah. in digbeth so it's a cool place to open it's at the minute it's, it's quite hard to picture. Yeah. <laughs> it's early days. We're lucky to get an early look at it. There's a lot of pallets. <laughs> but um, there's big potential in all these units here. So there's going to be, I might, I'm trying to guess here, but there's going to be a bar, a shop. Is there food? There was, there was going to be food. So um, initially, initially with the kind of, the, we were describing it as a, as a bar, shop, kitchen, and event space. Um, obviously, with the thing that's happening at the moment, we've scaled it back a little bit just so we're not putting so much capital in uh, with all the uncertainty. Yeah. Yeah. So we're kind of <coughs> we're stripping back the kitchen. Sensible. Yeah. Yeah. It's cool. Yeah. Be cool. Se sensible, I think, and just kind of keep it keep it flexible. I think as well. Yeah. So we're going to put in a bar made of very nice pallets, um, and there'll be a little bit of food mm. and. Retail. What's the food? Obviously, that's 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 that's, that's still a work in progress. But we, work. but we have had we have had inc encouraging conversations with people in the. That's one of the names of the place as well. Work in progress. Because <laughs> <laughs> so, it, it it really kind of the idea for the space is that it's flexible, um, and it you know it, it it it's a nice big kind of sort of big shoebox I guess really. It's like two and a half thousand square foot, and the idea is that we can you know mould it create you know any sort of wine and events experience that would see you know whoever you know wants to kind of take the space on say for businesses for corporate mm. um and the reason for kind of using the pallets now is so that we can literally move everything around you know nothing's kind of bolted to the yeah. ground so it gives us this freedom <laughs> and this flexibility to um sort of have a bit of a play around with the space and i, I know you know i've set up pubs and bars before and it you always end up like thinking shit three months down the line I wish I hadn't put that there and I wish I hadn't put that there so it's going to allow us a bit of flexibility for the first few months to really get to know how the space works and then you know we might end up putting some plumbing in somewhere and you know having a having a kitchen we will definitely put plumbing in at some point like, we're not <laughs> yeah, like, just just <laughs> just yeah, just just to confirm there, there will be water in there. um yeah I mean we've, so we've got like, an amazing chef lined up who's currently working in um in a Michelin star restaurant as a kind of as a as a second in command but he's um he, i think i think yeah he's great he's still he's still keen hopefully and we've got um a couple of people that we're really excited to work with as well um but yeah so it's gonna be a lot, a lot more stripped back than it than it was initially going to be but it's going to be it, i think the first iteration is very much going to be um a pretty like a pretty blank space where we can do events but it's kind of i suppose it, it would it would look and feel a little bit like a bar and shop but it won't yeah. look like one if that makes sense yeah, yeah, so you got your kind of free main kind of you got your off sales, yeah. yeah, your drinking, and then maybe a wine tasting as well, and the events kind of yeah. thing. Abs yeah, absolutely, absolutely. But I think the main feature will be, it's like you said before, you, a lot of people go into a wine shop or go into the wine aisle and they're a little bit intimidated. So you'll yeah. have someone on hand. Who, so training's going to be a key thing. Training your staff if you have some or when well, you get some. Yeah. So we've got, an, as I said, we've got some really good staff lined up. I think actually they'll, they'll probably be training. Genu genuinely, they're like, we've got training us. Yeah, um, so, so enthusiastic.
fantastic, so clued up, so kind of passionate. Um, I think you know, we, we, we're, we're keen, obviously keen on knowledge, um, but we're also keen on you know, passion and the ability to you know, have a degree of hospitality, which can be quite a difficult thing to learn. I think you know, there are some people which are naturally, I think just more sort of hospitable, um, and it's a really key thing that you know we have a warm welcome, and you know we make anybody that walks through the door, you know, give them, you know, so that they they kind of feel comfortable, welcome, and you know they're asked the right questions. <laughs> what do you like drinking? What don't you like drinking? Um, do you want a coffee? You know, whatever. So yeah, we will be doing coffee as well. That, that's another that's another important thing. Um, yes, we do. Yeah, it, it's a, it's a bit of a work in progress at the moment, so it might be something quite. No, no, no it's, it, hopefully it'll be something quite interesting. Fingers crossed. Yeah, I can definitely vouch for how great you are at interacting with customers because I've bought quite a few bottles during lockdown. Yeah, and all the emails and correspondence have all been. What did you think oh, of this? And what did you think of this? And it's been really helpful, and it's helped me learn a lot about wine, about what I actually do and don't like, and stuff like this. Because I used to be a big red wine drinker of just normal sort of what you get in the supermarket, red wine. Yeah, and I find myself now, I barely touch red wine. It tends to be mainly sort of pink fizz. <laughs> yeah, Carl's drunk a lot of pink fizz. Or white now. Yeah. I mean, I think and that's down some of the great wines and advice we've had and it's so easy but you seem to really care about what people actually buy I, when they buy from yeah I think as well like, yeah. I think we're both like talking and like listening um, I, I don't mean that as a good or bad thing like we will talk until cows come home and re- you know really enjoy actually listening to what people have to say and what people what people think there's there's nothing there's nothing like, there's nothing interesting in dictating to somebody what, they, what they're going to be drinking if, if, if it's not a t- if it's not a two-way conversation kind of like what's what's the point so actually I've, it's quite embarrassing actually I was looking at uh, you know, I was looking I was looking no. um, I was, I'd written an email to a customer who just literally said like oh I had um, you bought your Vermentino and a, a one of northern Italian reds what else might you know what, what else could you recommend and then reading it and it was only like a thousand like a thousand word essay I was like <laughs> bloody hell like they, they, they ain't gonna buy anything they'll, they'll, <laughs> they'll, yeah they'll, 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 they'll fall asleep and they'll go to Asda it's like what I, what, am I, what am I doing here but it's uh, no it's uh, yeah uh, I think I, th- I think the best uh, it, it's 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 about a dialogue I think really and this whole kind of thing about natural wine is a dialogue you know there's, there's no sort of rights and wrongs and the best, you know, I think experiences and tastings that, that I've done, we've sort of done combined really, is where you actually you've got the customers spending more time talking than, than you are. You're, what you're kind of doing is sort of guiding them really into, you know, with different wines and into different sort of tasting experiences where, you know, they're, they're, they're engaging and kind of having fun. Um, and generally the louder a tasting is and the event is, the, the better it is. Um, so you know, one of my kind of, big ideas really is is trying to develop a, a way of doing wine education where it's a little bit more of a visual thing so you know you can come and try try wine and learn about wine but you're actually kind of you're learning through more of a visual kind of means um, so you can tell a story in much more of a succinct way within the space of like sort of 10 to 15 seconds through like a short video than you know somebody kind of giving you like a monologue of who they are where they come from and you know what's special about them you get more of an impression, more of a feeling, really, through visual means. So, um, you know, it, this space is going to act as a bit of a, 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 as a space for us to kind of develop more of a creative way for, for learning about 
learning about wine and hopefully learning about food and you know other kind of related related stuff. Is so the location on purpose? Because Digbeth is it's a great place to be at the moment. Is this where you want it to be? Yeah, to a certain degree. Um, uh, I, I wanted a big space um, because I think kind of having a small um, small location in the city right in the middle you know would have been the location would have been great um because you have more footfall and all the rest of it but um it's again it kind of goes back to the way of freedom um you know it's all about having you know the the, the kind of freedom for us to kind of do what we want to do and a you know, creative learning which is really it's really difficult when you've got a small space to you know to do it and we've got lots of lots of space and white blank walls and stuff that we can utilize you know, to, to sort of feed into that educational, more kind of visual-led um, learning. Um, you know, Taylor knows I'm a bit of a fan of projectors. <laughs> <laughs> so there will be at least one projector, yeah. maybe two. Um, it's, yeah, again, it's a great way of sort of getting, you know, I, I trained as a you know as an art student and went to... So you trained as an art student? Trained as an art student. Did you didn't even qualify to be an art student? No, I didn't. An art student, I, no, I, I was an art student, yeah. <laughs> so th there is that sort of, I think, kind of creative visual streak running through, but I see value in it. I, I see it because I, you know, I've, I've, I've used it in an education environment before and I see how it, how it works, like, really, really well. Um, so, you know, it might be less about us talking about know where all the stuff comes from from the you know all the little nuances about you know yeasts and molecules and stuff of which there will be but there'll be other experiences whereby it'd be less us chatting and more about you know you enjoying the taste and the experience and learning you know learning about the winemakers through a visual means but also i think kind of going back on to dig with a little bit it's um i mean the guys over the guys over at digbra have kind of shown what, what you can what you can do with a uh, with a space like this and you know, they, they, they pull the crowds in and obviously you know, you've got the guys around DDC sort of each week pre-COVID like pre the thing obviously you know putting sort of you know four, five, six, seven thousand in a week and, do, and doing like really interesting events and kind of you know showing you know, what what Digworth you know what do what, what you can do with a, with, a, with a space in Digworth so um, it still feels like a kind of creative little hub yeah, around here yeah, yeah. So yeah. I mean, the, I mean, the guys next door to us, uh, like three D print, or they, or, they, or they, I don't know if they've moved across the road. They like three D print like food, uh, like mad. And there's a, there's an, like an, there's a, a, a filmmaker across the, you know, in based in that office over there. So I'm, I'm pointing to an office, uh, and obviously you know you've still got all the studios in 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 the Cross Factory itself. So you know, the, uh, you know Tom who we work with a lot of photography he's you know got a, got a studio in there so yeah, i think it's kind of probably because of the historically lower rents it's kind of encouraged that well you know whether that will, whether that will change in 5 10 15 years is a different story but at the moment it's definitely you know one of the places in birmingham certainly in the center that's got that kind of if i come into birmingham if i'm drinking it's more than likely going to be in digworth <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah anywhere else yeah and, and it's only two three minutes really from Wall Street Station, isn't it? Well, yeah, maybe so five minutes. Is that ten minutes from Wall Street? No, no, no. no it's, it's, it depends, it's, how, depends how fast you are. Yeah. Shh, it's 32 <laughs> seconds. It's 32 <laughs> seconds. No, no. Depends how fast you are. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or how drunk you are at the point that you get there. No, no. Yeah. No, I think, no, I think it's, it's 10, is it? 5, 15? I don't know. It's not far. It's not far. If you look, if the building weren't in the way there, you'd see it pretty much. Three minutes in an Uber. So there you go. Yeah, steady. It's in a slow Uber. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it, it, so it's you know it's it's the you know if you're saying if you, you if you come to Birmingham for a drink you'd go to dig it, it has kind of got that you know 
I don't really like the vibe, but it's you know, it's got interest. It's got interesting buildings. It's got interesting people. It's got a bit community as well, isn't there? Um, yeah, there's full of independent businesses that you know are, are doing what they believe in, and you know I think sometimes not pulling in the punches with you know their ideas, um, and um, I guess this is yeah our version in wine form, I guess. And you, you know you've got some really. Yeah, there's like an amazing art gallery around the around the corner at Grand Union that do re, you know really interesting you know, audio visual stuff and slightly more more experimental art. You know, our our joiner Matt is a, is a is across the road doing like you know these amazing fit outs of places in places in Birmingham, like just doing amazing stuff with with chopped down trees. So um, yeah, it's got it's it's just got a really n- interesting and nice mixed use of people and buildings and kind of aesthetics really. So yeah, when do you open? <laughs> <laughs> Is that work in progress too? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to mention Matt, he's he's you know incredible um, woodward and great joiner. Um, we kind of sort of do agree, kind of be waiting <laughs> waiting for him to try and find out like when when he can jump on the job. But he hasn't got a massive amount to do actually, but um, he's so popular that he's got a lot of, lot of work to do after COVID to to um, you know sort of. Uh, keep all of his customers happy so we've kind of been waiting for him we're waiting for these pallets to arrive which arrived a couple of yesterday yesterday um and you know there'll be some other kind of knickknacks to kind of do like around the edges we need to tile the bathroom and we've done most of the painting now we found the whitest paint that <laughs> that um that, that julux can provide i never want to see another tub of fucking white paint in my life i think <laughs> genuinely i think we've gone through four different types of white paint on this wall Jesus. Like you, you're clearly not impressed, but you haven't, you haven't, you haven't gone like, wow. You've just gone, geez. No, it's definitely <laughs> white. <laughs> um, so yeah, uh, uh, what else we need? To, I mean, you know, stuff's going to be phased in. So you know, we talked about the kitchen, which is going to be phase two. Um, you know, we are going to have some food, which is going to be you know, akin to our kind of ethos. You know, we're talking about react at the moment and nice sort of uh, vegetables, pickled vegetables. Was, you know, great sourdough. You know, we're a massive fan of of bread making and we're you know very lucky to have you know friends who make some you know incredible bread around the city so that'll be included um and it's really good it's going to be food and cuisine that you know ties into the philosophy the concept and the ethos you know so as traceable as we can um and in a style that's you know quite light and fresh and that kind of works really really well with you know the style of wine that we're putting in front of customers um so, so yeah. did you have a rough estimate on the date? Oh, so so the date. There was a qu- six six weeks, <laughs> six weeks. <laughs> so it's called dancing around the date. Um, you were a- you were after a two-word answer. There's no date currently, but w- you know we're looking at the start of September. Um, I think it's gonna probably going to take Matt a couple of weeks to you know to help us kind of form the space into something that's kind of workable. Um, and then. I was chatting to somebody today, like, when's the launch? I'm kind of like, well, launch kind of means a party, um, and it's a bit difficult to kind of hold a party at the moment. So I think what we'll do, we'll open the open the doors. We'll we'll do you know a bit of PR and publicity around us, opening up as a you know as a shop and a and a bar, um, and then you know we will do a party kind of when we're allowed to properly, you know, when we can get a load of people in here and have a proper. Smash up. I, I think I think people need to be more confident and just be able to have a party on their own. So like what, a, a one-person party in, in here, <laughs> and, that, and that's what we have like a, a, a very socially distanced party, like one one customer one customer per two and a half thousand square feet. <laughs> what we try to do, I mean, we're, we're you know in a luxurious position where we've got a lot of space, so we've tried to engineer 
the, the setup and the layout whereby it, it, it's really easy for us to kind of have like tables of twos and threes and fours and you know the, the, the flexible setup is going to allow us to maneuver everything around so that you know everybody can come in and drink here you know quite safely and we can have a reasonable amount of people in here to generate some atmosphere because it's one of the difficulties really I think at the moment is that you know you can sparsely populate your restaurant or your pub or your bar and it, it kind of lacks a bit of atmosphere so I'm kind of hoping that once we get you know enough bodies in here safely it will feel really good you know I think um, you know we'll have a sound system in here and I think once people get a few a few glasses down and it should be you know it should be really fun yeah I'll be here don't worry about <laughs> is it just yeah. will it this might be a stupid question but is it just wine or is there like going to be beers and there will be beer yeah for sure yeah. Um, beers and stuff like that. Yeah, I mean we yeah, we sell wine to to Glasshouse and Big Brew, so what I think it'd be rude of us not to <laughs> yeah. not, not, so not no beer for us, please. Ab- absolutely no no <laughs> not the other um, way around. I, I probably shouldn't say so. I I probably drink more beer than I do wine actually if I'm if I if I'm going <laughs> if I'm going out. <laughs> so ter- terrible salesman, but um yeah, no, it will we'll we'll have to have a you know some 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 decent beers. Whether you know whether whether they'll start off on tap is a different question. But mm. you know, me and the guys at Digbury and Glasshouse, they you know they can and bottle some amazing stuff. So yeah, yeah, uh, so yeah, I think we'll we'll definitely be having some beers and obviously coffee. Um, we're both pretty big coffee. Drink. The coffee heads? Is that no, mm. that's that sounds weird. Like coffee people like like, co- like we like coffee. That's a, that's <laughs> a simple way to say. Um, It'd be mad of us to not mention as well the web shop you've got, so your websites where you're selling wines on there as well. Has that been a bit of a headache yeah. to set up? Yeah, so that's live now, so yeah, you don't have to wait for now. this shop to open. You can go online. It is now live now. Yes, yeah, so yeah, it's yeah, it's it's been <laughs> it's been a bit of a labour labour of love. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, it's, it's, it's stop start stop start for for for, for, for quite a long time, um, and um, it's yeah it. It's a great way of sort of launching the brand. It really gives you a feel of who we are and what we do, you know, what we kind of stand for. And, um, you know, it's a, I think it's a sort of fun, visually, you know, kind of engaging um, website. And what we're trying to do is sort of develop it so that it's a, it's a really good kind of user experience. So, you know, if you like Sauvignon Blanc, then, you know, there are these other wines that you can choose which are kind of similar to Sauvignon Blanc. And what we're trying to do is represent the, the winemaker story as well. So we've got like a winemaker section which tells you a little bit more about some of the winemakers that we champion. Um, and it also gives you an idea of, you know, also the other stuff that we do as well. So we supply wine to the trade as well. So there's, you know, a, a page on who we work with. Um, and also we won a, an award last year with our friends at Hampton Manor. So I work very, very, have been working very closely with them for quite a few years. And we won AA Wine List of the Year, 2002. 20 or 2019 going into 20 which was a great kind of accolade you know the best essentially kind of the best winist in the uk so really really proud of that and um uh yeah there's a little kind of sort of flashy um show reel to kind of show you like what was what was kind of done around uh, done around that um uh, what else do we do um yeah there's one on wine events which of course isn't quite happening really yet but you know it, we will do we, we do a bit of work with the guys at Digworth Dining Club so last year we were doing a pop-up wine wine bar at various different places where you know they were kind of hosting at Warwick Castle and Solihull and Shirley so we're doing a bit with them so we you know we've got this 
uh, an events unit which is kind of half finished at the moment so when we can kind of get that up and running we'll be doing like wine wine events and wine bars all over the place <laughs> to say it's half finished is a very nice way of saying you'd get very wet if you stood in it and it rained yeah 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 And that's another one that Matt, our MGM bespoke, he's called, um, yeah, has kind of created. So, uh, so yeah, we're not just like a one-stop thing. You know, this this space is really kind of designed for us to have as a home and for us to, you know, have as, uh, you know, somewhere where we can kind of do everything, you know, related to wine. Um, as <laughs> Ted is probably kind of getting a bit kind of pissed off with me kind of coming up with these sort of marketing kind of strap lines, but... It's it's a space for we, for us to kind of um, create experiences around um, t you know tasting stories um, and and that's really kind of when you when you drill down to the very kind of sort of simple form you know it's you know we love you know consuming stuff whether it's food wine beer and you know it's a, it's a space that's going to allow you know people to come along and you know have a bit of fun and kind of enjoy you know what we're putting in front of them yeah so. Yeah, awesome. Sounds great. Can't <laughs> yeah, wait. So. Can't will wait to see the transformation. Will you start drinking when you come here? or No, I won't be ever drinking again. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough, yeah. Liam's done enough drinking in the past. Uh, good man, good man. Good man. I've retired. Yeah. Oh, there's, a good, there's a question I'll ask you two before we finish up. Is non-alcoholic wine any good? I haven't, I haven't had any, but genuinely haven't had any. But and one do they do natural? They can't do natural, surely well, by process. You know, my you my can't. suggestion is, so, I mean, wine is fermented grape juice, yeah. and and uh, non-alcoholic wine is. Oh, so non-alcoholic wine is is wine that's you know grape juice, but it's been made into wine. But then you sort of need to reverse the process. You need to strip out the the alcohol. Um, and during that process, you strip out lots of other different flavors. So in answer to your question, no, I, don't, I haven't really tried one that, that tastes really good. But what I would say, if you're going to go for non-alcoholic, just have grape juice. Like, like we've got a couple of suppliers that just do really nice, lovely, sweet grape juice, you know, from, just from grapes. You know? It's not overly sweet, though. Some, a bigger problem I have is when I go out, I like to still go out even though I don't drink, and I go out all day with the lads, but... I don't want to drink Coca-Cola or yeah. orange juice or something really sweet all day. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. One of the yeah, I mean one of the one of the um, producers that we sell called um, Nibiru Nibaru Nibiru um, in Austria. They've got a, an amazing grape juice made from the grapes of Grüner Veltliner, and it's it's really it's genuinely really sweet because you know if you make you think at the start of the start process of making wine, you need all that sugar to to yeah, get into alcohol, but if you kind of have it as like a as a long as a long drink, it's almost like a you know fifty ml measure of grape juice with soda. It's um, it's unbelievable. It's got it's so fresh and so like yeah. I don't want to sound like a wanker, but it's like really complex. It's like uh, and, and put that next to like something like Coca Cola. Like, well, what's what's the point in drinking that? And that's uh, yeah, and that's something that's something that will that will be that will be having here. And it's so it's um coming up on these. Honestly, it's 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 really it's really really good. I mean, I am. Um, over lockdown, I sort of started buying a lot of alcohol-free beers, and um, just to just some good ones. Yeah. There is some good yeah. ones. They're not like they're not brilliant, but well, we, uh, like the um the big the big drop stuff. Big drop stuff. Big drop stuff. Yeah, yeah. 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 but the um the best one the best one I'm going off topic. The best one I found in the supermarket because I, I live quite near a Tesco. Where I, you know, I should shop 
not a Tesco, but I sometimes do, obviously. Um, but the Brooklyn special effects. Yeah, I like Brooklyn. Yeah, yeah I Brooklyn's think very good. That's been like a really good. I, I have to get it online, but Mikella, yeah, yeah, Mikella yeah, yeah, do yeah. some things. They're, 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 they're al- really hard push to tell yeah. if they were alcohol free or not. And yeah. I've been kind of living off them. So yeah, the, the Mikella. And again, I suppose like yeah, Mikella have this like these amazing labels as well. So you, you could be drinking absolute piss, but it looks great. But the, um, <laughs> but no, yeah, the, the, yeah, the, but the, the, yeah, the Mikella alcohol free beers are, are really good. But from a supermarket, I'd, I'd I thought I'd take that opportunity to ask because I've not I've not tried any alcohol free wine because I've just always been told it's dreadful so I'm not bothered I've never tried any I'm not I, I, think, I think essentially what you d- you, you you know you, you're manipula- manipulating the product um, yeah. you're stripping stuff out so I think it's very difficult to you know to it's find to find something that some stuff as well yeah yeah we, <coughs> we um, work with a winemaker down in a place called Cahors in France and he I tried some of his grape juice which he sort of labelled up and it was a new thing for him and his kids drink it and it's, he sort of realised, I think, after like a year's worth of kind of not really kind of using it really until his kids started drinking. Actually, you know, there's something kind of in this. So um, I've mentioned to the importer. Yeah. Yeah, a guy called Fabian Juve, who makes some of the most amazing Malbec. Um, uh, went down to go and visit him uh, sort of J- July, August last year. Um, but yeah, just makes this unadulterated grape juice. Um, and he sort of labelled it up now, and he, you know, he sells it. So I'm trying to get some into the UK through our, through Ben at Carte Blanche Wines, who, um, who who imports his wines, because I think there's a market for it. You know, um, you want to get a bit of a taste of something, you know, genuine and authentic, um, you know, that's not alcoholic. So, yeah, we're going to be probably mucking around with a bit of that as well. That's cool. Really? Carl questions there. everything. Carl questions everything. Yeah, okay. it's coming up to that. So, what's your favourite movie? With Nell and I, uh, a, a, a French a French film. Of course it is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Favorite band. Fleetwood Mac. Easy. Oh, jeez. Oh, uh, band. Uh, I don't know. I'm 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 thinking Metallica, because I know you're a Metallica fan. I obviously you in a, <laughs> and I used to, I used to eat, sleep, fans. breathe Metallica when I was <laughs> you know, and I still do actually. I think they're brilliant, but I I don't know. I'd probably gravitate to it. Not a band, but like Bowie or. Prince, one of, one of the yeah, two, or we'll probably both. Good answers there. <coughs> this would be a different one. I think it'd be unfair to ask you your favourite wine. So, what's your favourite spirit, down to the actual bottle specifically? Oh Jesus Christ! Um, Campari. Really? Is that a spirit? It's more yeah, of liqueur, really. Yeah, I love it. I, yeah, I could. Yeah, could carry on drinking that. Mm. Well, being half Mexican, that'd be rude if I said no, probably, probably mezcal. Oh yeah, tequila. I love tequila. Yeah. Mm, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all of it. <laughs> yeah. What about you? What about you? Can you answer that? Well, on wine. Yeah. You know, it, it genuinely varies from day. It varies from day to day. What side of the bed you get? Out. Yeah, pretty yeah. much. I mean, I've, although, if you said like, what's the favourite? We don't actually even really sell that much. But there's a cider producer that we that we quite often buy for ourselves um, called Eric Bordelay. Oh yeah, his amazing. Uh, his his, his yeah. ciders are just yeah, incredible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's, it's funny, like you ask that question to some winemakers and they'll kind of, uh, oh, actually, no, I like Eric Bordelay cider <laughs> from, from, from Norm- Normandy. You kind of answered the question, but not quite. It's, <laughs> that's a cider. But yeah, he's got an extremely good like reputation, um, in particular within the natural you know, wine world. He's also got a particularly good moustache as well. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he's a proper dude. He's a lovely yeah, guy. Yeah, so he does, he does like a, 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 
pair of grown on granite soles, and it's just, just stunning. Yeah, it's ama- yeah, amazing stuff. Amazing and stuff. It, it, if, if ever I go and see a winemaker, my favourite wine is always whatever wine they they make when I'm. Yeah. Like, what, what, like whatever wine they're making when <coughs> I'm there is is always like this it, is my this is my favourite wine. So um. It's, a, it's an interesting one. I, we were, I was doing a tasting with the guys from Pisa, um, the guys that did the pizza over in Mosley. Two lovely guys. And they... Great pizza as well. Yeah. And, and they're just really interested in wine. And it's, it's been great to, you know, kind of help, you know, make some wine choices and stuff for them over the last sort of year or so since they've been open. But um, we, we had a bit of a wine tasting earlier on. And I, I was bang on about air pressure and how it affects your sense of taste. Because it does. It's scientifically proven now. And it's quite a low air pressure day to day. And we cracked open a few bottles of red in particular we started with. And they just weren't tasting as good as they should do. Um, it brings out, so low air pressure, you tend to feel more acid with the acidity in the wine and more tannins. And you get less sort of fruit, primary fruit characteristics. So low air pressure is not a good day to be tasting wine. Um, I don't know where I'm going with this, but um, yeah, it's sometimes <laughs> I think what I'm trying to say is sometimes it kind of depends on the day and yeah. Yeah, a nice bright sunny day. Sometimes like all the wine just tastes fucking amazing, like incredible. And in some days it's just like, oh, it doesn't taste as good as I remember it. And, you know, it is scientifically proven high air pressure and low air pressure really do affect your, your sense of taste. And some people that, you know, go on holiday, have a lovely experience down in Provence or whatever and, you know, you know, drinking rosé by the beach and it's all sunny and all the rest of it and they bring that case of wine back home and it's shitting it down outside and um you know it's a bit miserable Kids and, and upstairs. Yeah. yeah and it just doesn't it <laughs> just doesn't same. taste the same because you want that experience you want to be transported back um and i was going to say look just leave that bottle of rosé to a nice on a nice bright sunny day and you'll probably get more of that proper kind of you know seaside kind of experience um and it's you know Heston Blumenthal did this thing like a few years ago and, and worked with some scientists creating a, uh, a menu for BA Airlines, you know, because if you're eating fillet steak and drinking really expensive wine several thousand feet in the air in a compressed you know, air chamber, essentially, you know, in, in an airplane, your factory nerve and your sense of taste is completely different. It works in a very different way. Um, I know a guy that was running a um, um, called Piper Wines down in Devon who's training for his master of wine he did like one of his thesis on how air pressure affects your sense of taste and how it affects your perception of what wine tastes like as well so yeah if you come along and the wine's tasting shit i'll just blame it generally blame it on the fact (laughs) it's a really low air pressure day (laughs) even if the sun's shining outside so so that is like the most convoluted answer to what's your favorite wine that was the question (laughs) i think i've got i think you've always got a bit of a soft spot for uh, probably my favourite region, I think, is um, is the south of France, towards like the Roussillon area. Um, such a diverse kind of range of different soil types, geology. You've got the mountains, you've got the Mediterranean, and it, it's it's absolutely beautiful. And uh, you know, I think going back to that first kind of like sort of biodynamic natural wine experience, Le Soula, the the white wine. That's where. Um, that wine originates from in the foothills of the Pyrenees um, on the French side. Um, so I think I've got a bit of a soft spot for that for that, for that that region. Oh, well, um, well, if Sam's yeah. taken a region, I'll take yeah. Italian-Slovenian border because it's, <laughs> it's yeah. got like, these amaz- amazing producers, really interesting history, like both cultural and mm. um, inter- like, 
the flip-flopping between you know Italy, Austro-Hungarian Empire. It's really, really interesting, and the, and the wine seems because for whatever reason, what the wine seems to share this like really interesting, like this real like core of interest. They're just really complex, really interesting, and they're going to focus on orange wines. And then I'm a big fan of orange wines. So if Sam's if Sam's chosen region, I'm going to choose region as well. Cause it's <laughs> it's not it's narrowed it down not, slightly. It's not region, fair not to. Yeah, 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 that's a good answer there. Yeah. Uh, what's your favourite big fast food chain? Wow, McDonald's. Marks and Spencer's count. I think purely, purely, actually, from a from a business point of view, um, you know, seeing how they've. Um, it's funny you're actually going to ask some chefs like, "What's your What's your guilty pleasure?" And so many of them say McDonald's. It's, yeah, it's, we it's, get that all. It's, it's so ab- many it's chefs would speak yeah. to say McDonald's or Nando's when we ask that question. Yeah, it's it's. Loads. Nah, not Nando's. No, no, not Liam Nando's. Nando's Definitely not Nando's. I, I but my, so my 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 girlfriend was, a, was took me to. My first Nando's experience at tender age, tender age about thirty-two. I used to, I used to dress up as a chicken and um, do do the launch parties and stuff for uh, for, for Nando's. Is this true? So or absolute bollocks. No, it's absolutely true. So I, I, when I was a when I was a student, we used to. You, you, can you remember the yellow card pubs? Can you remember them? Yeah, they were yeah, all yeah, over the fucking place. I think they kind of turned into vast. Yeah, 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 pretty much. And. Um, I knew the guy that kind of set set the you know set that kind of brand up. So he's like a very kind of sort of student kind of orientated, um, sort of one of the first places that kind of did like a, you know a, a, a pint and a beer for like two pound or whatever. Um, I was doing sort of promoting and launch parties and stuff for them, but I also did Nando's as well, and it's probably like a bit of a low point. Saying you know free chicken, free free beer, like in a, in a chicken outfit at the top of like Park Street in Bristol. Um, yeah. But you end up like doing stupid stuff as well because like nobody can see your face, so you end up like acting like a bit of a knob. The stupid thing was wearing the suit, Sam. That was a probably. Yeah, yeah. What's your favourite takeaway? You mean oh, like style or? Oh yeah, if you want, mine's Indian. Yeah, mine's mine's yeah, Indian, all all the way. Yeah, local curry house. Yeah, yeah, definitely. What's your favourite dish you cook at home? Favourite dish? Yeah. Or uh, at the moment, pizza, because we've we've just got a very um, posh Gosney rock box, which is being used a lot, pretty much every other day at the moment. And it's I think the whole kind of thing of like making dough and with the family and the kids and stuff is just a really kind of good fun experience. Mm. So yeah, that's that's me at the moment. My, well, as a veggie, it's, it's a bit of a cliche, but it's actually salads. <laughs> I, I, I absolutely love making salads, but I've got an allotment that is just give me so much stuff. So yeah. just like a really simple, really fresh. Oh, we forgot the allotment bit. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Taylor's yeah. got this incredible allotment. I haven't been to visit yet. Very yeah, remiss, so you, yeah, isn't so you it? You don't know it's incredible, do you? Yeah, I've just <laughs> seen lots of the photos and Taylor coming back with a lot of dirt between his um, fingernails. But I, the, yeah, the, the, the potatoes just started coming up this year, like the, the last couple of weeks, and they've like, been made like really amazing salads with them. Yeah. Like just, yeah. Potatoes, boiled beans, a bit of feta, mint. Just so I'd, I'd, be happy, I'd be happy with that. It's kind of the idea once we've got the kitchen like properly up and running, you know, we can start representing Taylor's Taylor's allotment. That's what you could call the kitchen. <laughs> That's not a bad idea. Yeah. What's that phrase? Taylor's allotment. That could be the, the kitchen. Yeah. 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 You have to pay for. Uh, I'm not yeah. doing that for free. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's all the questions. So we've done. Great. That was great. Guys. Thank you very much, lads. Thank Good you very much. You.
Hey everyone, massive thank you for listening. We absolutely love making these episodes and bringing you the story of some of the best people in the food industry in Birmingham. As we said before, we love Birmingham and its food scene and we think it's truly special. So if you agree, do us one big favour. All you have to do is rate and review us on iTunes. It really helps promote the podcast and gets us listened to by more people and gets more people to listen to how great Birmingham is and we would really appreciate it if you could do that for us. Until next time, thanks again for listening.